And Father God, this night we do want to thank you and praise you for drawing us together here this night, Lord, that we might come to worship you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, we come uh, just seeking you, Lord, uh, uh, not being conformed to this world, but be, being transformed by the renewing of our minds, Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, that this is a reasonable form of worship, Lord. And we come this night, Lord, to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth, Father. We thank you, Lord, again for the opportunity you bring, Lord, and we pray, Lord God, that you might be with us here in the sanctuary this, this night, Lord, moving and ministering to our hearts, Lord. We pray that for those who are watching by home, Lord, uh, uh, we pray, Father God, that you might minister to each, of, each one of them the great truths of the Word of God, Lord, and we thank you, Father. We praise you that we can come, and as we are burdened, with things of the day, things of the world, things of uh, uh, the burdens of this life, Lord, at times uh, the, the things come fast and furious against us, Lord. Uh, worries and cares and concern about the future, Lord. Uh, people going through uh, uh, difficult times, Lord, whether financially or physically, Lord, emotionally. Father, we pray, Lord God, that we might come and just lay all, all of these things down at the foot of your cross, Lord. And all the the things, Lord, uh, so many young people, the future plans and purposes uh, they thought that uh, uh, was on their, their lives, Lord. And uh, again, things uh, dramatically turned upside down with this uh, pandemic and the worldwide spread of the disease, Lord. And we do pray, Lord, your touch, Lord, and your healing, Lord, and the resolution to the situation, Father. And even in our tiny island community, Lord, we know that... Uh, uh, you know, there's over 240 people, I believe, uh, uh, in hospitals and in ICU units, Lord. And we do pray your touch for their lives, Lord. And we do pray, Father, your encouragement. Uh, and we do pray, Father, that uh, you might bring resolution and healing to the greatest disease of all, Lord, which is sin. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the many churches uh, proclaiming the truths of the good news of Jesus Christ here throughout the Hawaiian Islands, Lord, and throughout the world. We thank you, Lord, that the, the gospel shall not be stopped, Lord. And uh, we thank you now again that we can come to worship you through the study of your word now. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Good to see you folks. Uh, haven't seen you guys and we know that some guys are still at home isolating and so on and so forth and you know we we hope and pray uh, God's best for you during this time and we we really miss you and uh, we uh, miss the opportunities we have to fellowship one with the other we're going to continue in our study through the book of Genesis tonight uh, we're picking up our study actually in Genesis uh, uh, 28 but last week we saw quite a bit uh, in the chapters 26, 27, and 28. But in retrospect, we'll look at some of the highlights. Two brothers since birth had struggled, guys. And, you know, sometimes you think about two brothers. And I just uh, was mentioning to one of the guys, I said, oh, I saw uh, a couple of these brothers uh, on a political commercial. And I said, oh, we, we must know that family. We must know their parents or their dad or whatever it might be. And uh, I said, oh, there was some family resemblance, but here it is, two brothers uh, rallying, united to uh, get their candidate uh, elected. 
uh, from that, that part of the island. But here we saw that two brothers were struggling. And Esau, the firstborn, and Jacob, his brother, uh, 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 a.k.a. Heel catcher, Jacob, his name was heel catcher, the meaning heel catcher or deceiver. What a name, man. In the Bible, a lot of times, uh, what's in a name really becomes true. And it's uh, kind of a predictor of what the person might be like. His brother Esau, with not much better, his name meaning Harry. And I don't know if that's where the name Harry came from, but uh, Esau, his name meaning Harry, he was quite a, I guess, a, a hairy fellow. But now uh, in Genesis 25, guys, we saw that Esau, he sold his birthright for a bowl of bean soup. He gave not much thought to what he did, only seeking to appease his hunger. And you know, at times, uh, we, we might be driven by various things of the flesh, various uh, uh, passions and so on, uh, so on and so forth. And, you know, it's a terrible thing to think that you throw everything away uh, for uh, a, a lustful situation or to quench your hunger or thirst. And um, many marriages, many families have been broken up because uh, this fling, uh, a thing of uh, youthful lust or whatever kind of lust you want to call it. But uh, again, broken up because of uh, 20 minutes of pleasure, you know, they pay a lifetime of what happens after the fact. Uh, uh, Esau selling his bowl, um, a birthright for a bowl of lentil soup. He gave not much thought to, again, what he did, only seeking to appease that thing of his flesh. He, uh, he, uh, he thoughtlessly traded his birthright in that culture. It was reserved for the eldest son. You know, the birthright and all its entitlements would go to the eldest son. But he gave it away. He said, hey, give me a bowl of that red stuff because I'm dying. What, what does it matter, uh, you know, if I have the birthright or not? Just give me some of that, that bowl of soup. Well, we look here at, uh, look with me at chapter 27, verse 35. Chapter 27, verse 35. And he said, your brother has come deceitfully and taken away your blessing. And here uh, we see the dad telling his son Esau, hey, your brother came in. He took your blessing. He deceived me. Uh, uh, now along with the birthright came the blessing as well as uh, was reserved for the first, uh, firstborn. Uh, as we read that, your brother came deceitfully. has taken away your blessing. And by trickery and deceit, Jacob, in conjunction, in conjunction with his mother, seemed to receive, uh, schemed to receive the blessing reserved for his brother Esau. It's a terrible thing. You think that, hey, these guys are people of God. They're God's chosen people. And yet you see all the fleshly things come out. They were scheming, mother and son, saying, hey, we got to get this birthright. And we got to get the blessing for you. Come, my son, do this and this. And, you know, if you read the words of the passage, the mother is very forceful in commanding her son in what to do. We struggled with this thought that God allows even uh, imperfect people to accomplish his plans and purposes. And, you know, I cannot rationalize that. All I can say is God is just and God knows and you know, for you folks here with me, you realize that, you know, we ourselves are so imperfect, yet God still blesses us and uses us. And, you know, unfortunately, we, we cringe and we, we groan as at times we know that we blew it, we do sin. And yet God still continues to 
uh, bless us and God continues to use, of, uh, use us. Of course, we like Paul, we struggle. We say, hey man, you know, I buffet my body that I might not sin against the Lord. In other words, he says, I blacken my eye that I might not sin against you, Lord. And uh, even Paul struggled with the great things of the sin of the flesh and so on. And uh, again, God uses these imperfect people like just like us, guys. We saw in verse 38, verse 38, it says, Esau said to his father, do you only have one blessing? My father, bless me, even me also. I am my father. So Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And uh, we, saw in, uh, uh, we saw here, even as Esau wept, the blessing had already gone to his brother Jacob. In other words, the younger brother not only got the birthright, he got the blessing of the family. He got really the, uh, everything that the family uh, would offer came down to him. Picking up our study in 30, uh, 39 to 40, and Isaac went to his father and answered him and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling. And away from the dew of the heaven from above, by the sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless, then you will break his yoke from his neck. Uh, very interesting, guys. I Really, I believe that it was uh, ordained for Esau to leave the blessing and the fertility of the land of Canaan. You know, some of the Bible commentators, they really say that, that uh, the Canaan land or the land of Israel really is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's bordered on one side by the Mediterranean Sea. It's bordered on the other side by the Lebanon, uh, Lebanon mountain range. And beyond that mountain range is really the great desert. You know, the, uh, the great desert. Uh, I think that's uh, Iraq, Iran, and uh, you know, Saudi Arabia to the south. But, uh, 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 but again, bordered by the sea and the Lebanon mountains made uh, uh, made the Jordan uh, River Valley and the surrounding areas a veritable, uh, a very fertile land with the snow-capped mountains uh, and rain bringing generous quantities of water between the desert and the sea. Again, it made Canaan a very fr uh, fruitful land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That region around the Sea of Galilee, the region of the Jordan River Valley, well watered and very fertile, very productive, and uh, you know, uh, water really is that basis. You know, we can we can never discount that thought and that fact that on the other side of the mountain range were great deserts that uh, uh, the people, uh, you know, lived in a dry and a parched and arid land. And now uh, uh, his dad is saying, "Hey." Uh, uh, Isaac, his father, answered Jacob and said, Behold, away from the fertility of your earth shall be your dwelling, away from the dew of the heaven from above, and by your sword you shall live. And it's almost like saying, Hey, my son, you're going to be a kind of a violent man. And uh, it's almost like Ishmael. Uh, uh, the Bible in Genesis describes Ishmael as a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. And, you know, that always stuck with me that, hey, the Bible is saying that this guy is wild, like a wild donkey. And his hand is really going to be raised up in, uh, in violence and in uh, a struggle against the peoples of the world, against these, uh, the rest of the people. One last addendum, guys, in, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, 
41, Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning uh, for my father are near. I will kill my brother Jacob. And he knew that his dad was on his deathbed. And Esau, because you know he felt that his brother had ripped him off, he said that, man, as soon as my dad dies, I'm going to kill my brother. And just imagine that, that he had murder in his heart and really he wanted nothing to do with his brother. He wanted to take his brother out. Uh, he plotted to kill his brother. And again, verse 42, now in the words of uh, her elder son Esau was reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, uh, my son, obey my voice and arise and flee to Haran to my brother Laban and stay with him for a few days until your brother's fury subsides. Uh, again, Rebekah advising her son of the plot and tells Jacob, leave town. In other words, you got to leave town, my friend. And it sounds like uh, f uh, some guys that I know, they had to leave town because, hey, people were out to get them. And it's the same thing here uh, with, uh, uh, with this young man. The mother's saying, hey, flee to my brother Laban because your brother is going to kill you. Uh, Isaac uh, wisely obeying his brother. Uh, in 46, uh, Rebecca, uh, there's a little addendum. Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes away from the daughters of Heth like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be uh, to me? At one last addition of instruction, she, uh, she says, don't marry outside of the faith. And you know, there's just enough evidence in the Bible, guys. There's a lot of, lot of evidence that, hey, you know, marrying outside of the perfect will of God is just not happening. You know, if you if you got to marry, marry a like-minded person. Marry another believer. Because again, you're going to have the same Spirit of God dwelling within you. And you're, as you are joined as one in holy matrimony, the Spirit of God is indwelling within the midst of that marriage. Now, if you take another one outside of the faith in marriage, it is a lot of struggle. You know, some guys have just struggled, and I've said again and again, They've married outside of the perfect will of God. They went, they got a girlfriend or some girl got a boyfriend, a non-Christian. And, you know, they, they got married thinking that I'm going to convert them. Or they got married because they had to get married. They felt that because she's hapai, she's pregnant, you know. And uh, uh, and things like that happen. And, you know, there's, there, there's just uh, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of struggle uh, in, on the road in front of them, guys. Chapter 28, we go, and uh, uh, verses 1 to 5. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Here we go. The father now advising him, Arise, go to Padana Ram, to the house of Bethro, your mother's father. And from there, take a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give to you the blessing of Abraham. Abraham, to you and your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. And Isaac went to uh, send Jacob away, and he went 
to Padam Moran to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Amoran, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now here, uh, here are the final instructions from Isaac to Jacob, along with a blessing to be fruitful, to grow to be a great uh, uh, company of people. But note here in verse 4, he pronounces the blessing that Abraham received from the Lord, the blessing and entitlements of the land of promise. You know, the Jews had been outside of the land of promise for some 2,000 years, guys. And again, on May 14, 1948, the people came back into the land. The, the, the nation was birthed in one day. And again, it starts a real prophetic time clock, guys, that's ticking down, that these are one of the things, the main, one of the main things that had to take place before the, the coming of the Lord, the catching away of the church is the next big event, guys. And you know, as we look at the world in chaos, we can say, hey, God, you're setting up the world. And, you know, people are wondering, people are really wondering, guys, why I say and why I pray for people, because I hear that people are, are, are watching, uh, watching uh, not only us, but other people and other uh, Christian programs online. And uh, one fellow came up to me at the shopping mall, at the shopping center, and said, hey, I'm watching to the. I'm watching uh, this guy on TV, the the church that's up on uh, up on the hill. I said, "Oh, Jesus coming soon," and he said, "Yeah, that's the one." I watched that on Sunday morning, and my wife is watching on on some nights. The guy, the guy Wayne, the guy Wayne. <laughs> I said, "Oh, okay," and I said, "Praise the Lord," because you know these guys were just so standoffish before. You know when I used to share with them and and, and uh, a witness to them. And you know, all you do is kind of back off and pray. As a matter of fact, he found a cross in a car. He made a big deal about giving me the cross. Like, hey, we know that you are, you are a man of God. <laughs> I'm going to give you this cross. I still have that cross stashed on my desk in a little box. And I said, oh, I think I'm going to give that cross back to him. But he says, hey, you know, when I go out at night, I walk my dog. I look up into the stars and I, I'm talking to God. And I said, wow, that's awesome. And I know that the things of the uncertainty of the day, these guys got it all. They got, you know, family, they have wealth and property and, and you know, uh, but he, they, they were impoverished. They were impoverished. They were spiritually bankrupt without the love of Jesus Christ. And I think that if they haven't come to the, that saving knowledge of God, they're about that close because when he says that I look up into the stars, you know, and I just told him, hey, the heavens declare the glory of God. And I was so blown away. I was so blessed that he came and he specifically sought me out to tell me that, that, you know, this is where we at. And it threw me for a loop. And, you know, I, I bet that there are other people like you guys that, you know, uh, you might not be sharing with, but you're living. They know that you're living for the Lord. And although um, uh, you might not be perfect, they're saying that there's something about that guy. You know, there's something about that lady. There's something about that kid that, uh, 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 you know, that, that's a little bit different from the rest of the people. But again, uh, uh, the, the promise of the promises of the land, the blessing, the entitlement of the land began this great thing. And, you know, the, uh, 
You know, the prophet says that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all mankind. And, you know, we pray every Saturday morning, the guys, we get together and we, you know, we pray, continue, Lord, pour it out, pour it out upon this, uh, upon our neighbors, upon our, the people of the land. Pour it out that you might accomplish your will and your purpose in drawing men and women and boys and girls to the cross of Jesus Christ. Fast forward to in a, uh, Genesis 28 to uh, verse 10, 10 to 12. And Jacob departed from Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there. And because the sun had set, he took one of the stones of the place and he put it under his head. And he laid it down in, uh, he laid down in that place. And he had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to the heavens. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. As he departed, guys, Jacob had uh, his own encounter with the Lord. Seeing, uh, seeing these angels, seeing these angels uh, coming and going from heaven. Uh, whatever the significance is, we know that the Lord uh, is reaching out in dialogue with Jacob. You know, he had a dream, and behold, uh, uh, these things that. Uh, Took place and 13 to 14, the Lord, uh, the Lord uh, stood above it and says, "I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the land which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. Your descendants uh, will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families." of the earth be blessed. You know, I love this here in verse 14. It's the same promise that he made to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. He said the same thing, that in, all, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And really he was speaking about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, guys, who came for all the world, and not some of the world, but he came for each and every one of us. Uh, the promises first to Abraham, then to Isaac, now to Jacob, uh, repeated over and over as if to really drill into the, uh, the thought of God's promises to this family. You know, sometimes we got to hear it over and over. Like little kids, we got to really know that hey, this is what it is. And you know, sometimes maybe your fathers or your mothers or your aunts or your grandmothers, they told you the same thing over and over. Like, they wanted us to hear it. They wanted us to know it. They wanted us to receive these things, you know, into our heart. Silly little things. Well, maybe not so silly. You know, the, the old folks telling you when you're going, they're going, you're going down to the river to play, oh, watch out for the flash flood. When you're going down to the ocean, when the ocean recedes and you see all the fish, don't run to go pick up the fish run up to the mountain or your mother always telling you when you're going surfing oh watch out for the sharks huh? <laughs> little did she know that yeah we see we see the sharks and they're out there mom but you know it's all good they, they only nibble <laughs> but again um here in 15 he goes on behold i am with you I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Here in this short key, one short verse key, he says, Behold, I am with you guys. 
and I will keep you and I will bring you back wherever you go. And he says, may God, uh, uh, may God work. Uh, my God will, uh, will continue until I have done it. I have promised you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And you know, here's the, the little promises we have. I am with you. I will keep you. Uh, wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Amazing, amazingly, the Jews were dispersed by the, uh, the persecutions, the many persecutions that came down along with Rome. They've been persecuted for many years. They, f uh, they fled to many other nations around the world. And at the inception, at the rebirth of the nation of Israel in 1948, many of the Jews returned to repopulate the land from just a several hundred thousand Jews living in the land. Uh, they soon swelled to numbers of six million people uh, in just a few short years. So the, what God has uh, said, he really made, has brung to pass, guys. Uh, again, uh, 16, uh, he says, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Uh, he was afraid and said, uh, How awesome is this place? There is none uh, other than the house of God, and this one is the gate of heaven. So Jacob arose in the morning. He took the stone that he had set under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured, poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. The realization of his personal encounter with God he sets up, not, not as an idol, guys, or anything like that, but I really think that uh, it was a stone of remembrance, that, hey, this is where I met, met God. This is where I, I, I came to the realization that God personally came and personally met with me. And, uh, you know, uh, back in the old days, people would ask, ask people, hey, do you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That was one of the questions that they asked them, maybe we ought to be asking people that. Have you made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? And here Jacob acknowledges that he had a personal encounter with God and he set up that stone as a stone of remembrance, uh, not wanting to forget that, hey, this is, a, a, this is where I met God and, you know, this is where, you know, my life has uh, been uh, beginning to change. And here's where I, I realized that God, God has all of this for me. It is like uh, we may remember where we gave our lives to the Lord. We, <clears throat> we harbor in our hearts a memorial stone of gladness. I don't know about you guys, but I remember where, when and where I prayed that prayer. Hey, did you pray the prayer? Yeah, I prayed the prayer. The prayer, you know, the sinner's prayer to receive Jesus Christ. And it's emblazoned in my mind, and it's emblazoned that yeah, I got baptized in that pool up on that hillside in 1981. And uh, I, I dunked my life, I gave my life, and it became a memorial stone in my mind and in my heart that, uh, that really said that, hey, Jesus Christ is your Lord. And this is when the Lord really just came and just my life just uh, took off after I made that public decision and that public commitment that Jesus Christ is my Lord, Jesus Christ is my savior. Uh, uh, I always remembered uh, this, uh, this term Bethel, Bethel Street, uh, just two blocks away uh, uh, 
from the house of God. You know, I want to call it our old Calvary Chapel, the theater right around the corner from Bethel, Bethel Street. And, you know, Sunday mornings I used to go to church early. And I used to just sometimes look for street parking. I'd park on Bethel Street and, you know, I'd be praying before I went in. And uh, uh, it was a, just a good good time to know that I said, oh, our church should have been... Uh, on Bethel Street, you know, House of God. But, you know, we were one block away, right around the corner. No, it didn't matter because God knew that uh, that, that old theater was really his house. And we just uh, gathered there. He facilitated our worship. And it was a great run there at the old uh, theater. Uh, we go on. 20 to 22, Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I will take, and will give me food to eat and garments to wear. I will return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Uh, here's the second mention of the giving of the tithe, guys. Back in uh, 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 giving of the tithe or the tenth, back in chapter 14, uh, we met this guy by the name of Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And not only the king of Salem, but he was the priest of the God Most High. He brought up bread and wine to Abram, and he blessed Abraham, the Lord, Abram uh, and the Lord, Abraham giving him a tenth of all. And again, it's just a, a little principle. That's where we get the tithe from, the idea of the tithe. And I think the importance is that we give all of our 100% of our heart to the Lord. Uh, that's the great thing. Chapter 29, And Jacob went on his journey. He came to the land of the sons of the east. Uh, in one short verse, guys, we see Jacob. He went and he came uh, to the land of the sons of the east. The, the Lord, uh, the word uh, is literally, he lifted up his feet. That word went, uh, went lit, uh, I have a little footnote in my Bible. And I uh, did a little bit of research, and it really says he lifted up his feet. But it really, uh, it's really a Hebrew idiom that tells of a young man's response to divine encouragement. A young man's response to divine encouragement. And I want to take it a step further. I want to say that no matter how young or how old you are, it's a, uh, it, it, it's a response to divine encouragement. In other words, God picked up our footsteps. He put a little bounce in our feet, and he energized us by the power of his Holy Spirit that we might take that journey that he's placed us upon. Uh, the Bible uh, makes it seem that it was right around the corner. Uh, this, he, you know, in one verse, he says, he went on his journey. He came to the land of the sons of the east. One verse. He went, uh, 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 it's, it's like, oh, it's right around the corner. It's a walk in the park. But just by looking at our Bible map in the back of your Bible, we can kind of gauge that it was, maybe it was about a 600-mile journey. You know, it wasn't no cakewalk. It was a 600-mile journey. And unlike Abraham's servant who went from Canaan uh, to the same land of uh, Haran, he, the, the servant went with an entourage of 10 camels and men and servants and provisions to the trip. But here we find Jacob. It seems that he's a FIT. He's a free and independent traveler. He doesn't have a large group of support staff. He doesn't have a whole herd of cattle going with, uh, of camels going with him or carrying him. But uh, again, it seems as if God's speed, 
or God's grace is upon him. Don't you like that term, God's speed? You know, sometimes you tell guys, hey, God's speed to you. You know what that really is? It's God's grace for your life. The King James says God's speed, and it's really God's grace for our life. And it's like here, this young man, God's speed went before him and just, just took him. That 600 miles seemed like to be a walk in the park, uh, no problem at all. Here on two and three, he looked, he saw in a well on the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there besides it. Uh, for it from the well they watered their flocks, and now the stone on the mouth of the well was large. And when all the flocks were gathered there, they would then roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. And he says, Do you know uh, Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said to them, uh, Is it well with him? And they said, It is well. And here is Rachel, uh, his daughter, coming with the, the sheep. Uh, as he came upon the land, guys, he met up with some of the local shepherds, uh, ascertaining his location. He then went out to inquire, went on to inquire about Laban. Uh, and his well-being. As a matter of fact, they said, Behold, here's his daughter coming with the, uh, the flock of uh, sheep. We go on in seven, and he says, Behold, it's still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered. Then they roll the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. And while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, and uh, for she was a shepherdess. And when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's uh, brother. Uh, the guys went back and forth. I don't know what, what the real meaning is or what the real intention is. But, you know, the guys went back and forth over the watering of the sheep. Who's going to unroll roll the stone away? You know, we got to wait to roll the stone away. Uh, but uh, as Rachel approached, Jacob immediately rolled the stone cover from the mouth of the well. And he made provision for his uncle's flock. And I think it was really like saying, hey, man, you're of great importance to me. Let me help you with this stone. Let me water. I'll help you water uh, your sheep. Here in 11, uh, he goes on, and Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And, and I think that this is such a tender scenario, such a tender scene, guys. Here we see a tender, heartfelt, emotional greeting as Jacob kissed uh, Rachel. But we see he was so filled and overcome with the moment. as orchestrated by God, he wept with real emotion. He wept with real happiness, with real joy. And he wept, uh, I think, knowing that God had blessed him and God had made that way for him. And God had brought him exactly to the place and to meet the person that he was to meet. And uh, how God had ordained all of this. You know, all of the turmoil we live in in the world today, guys, I don't know how we can say you know, at times we so interrupted. At times we so struggling with time. At times we wake up early in the morning because we have too much on our mind. At times we, 
we can't uh, we seem to be wanting to get some rest or to do this or that and uh, the phone is ringing and we feel interrupted and rushed and uh, but you know God uses all of that to ordain the plans and the purposes he has for us I cannot explain it sometimes we feel like we so on overload and we have so many things on our mind and on our heart and as we come before the Lord all we can say is Lord you take this burden Lord uh, let me lay these things down at the foot of your cross and it might be 4 30 in the morning or four o'clock in the morning and you kind of just wrestling with these things and you want to just say Lord you take them Lord uh, sort these things out in my mind he went on and, and said that uh, Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative and the father uh, of her father and that he was Rebecca's son she ran and told her father and so uh, when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Then he related to Laban all these things. When Abraham's servant came uh, uh, and took Rebekah back to Canaan, Laban's mind and memory must have been jogged by Jacob's appearance, uh, close family uh, reaching out now. And I think that uh, that's how we are. At times, uh, no matter what the time, the space, or the distance, no matter how far away, when it comes down to it, hey, we, we, we have family, we have ties. And you know, that might be with some of your, your real family or some of your adopted family, your Hanai family. Uh, you think that we're closer than brothers, you know, we're closer. We grew up, we did all of this, and we went through all this stuff, all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I love you just as much as I did, as I do now, than as I did then, you know. And, uh, and you, you, you think that uh, uh, no matter what, the time, the space, the distance, we're closer than just that, you know. and, and uh, much more with, uh, with this meeting as uh, they were really blood relatives and even closer to the fact, uh, close family reaching out. Uh, Laban said to him, Surely you are bone of my bone. And he stayed with him a month. And Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should your wages be. Now Laban told his daughters the name of his two, uh, of the older uh, was Leah, and the name of her younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel's, Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is, it is better that I give her to you uh, than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served for seven years to, uh, served seven years for Rachel, and it seemed to, be, to him to be just a few days because of his love for her. Uh, as, uh, as greetings and, and pleasantries were exchanged, guys, Laban welcomed uh, Jacob with open arms, uh, thinking perhaps Jacob would, have, uh, uh, would be welcome to come and to work for him and to be, you know, uh, come into the family and to be one of his shepherds. And uh, we're told that Laban had two daughters again. God's uh, word uh, talks, of, talks of, uh, quite Quite frankly, guys, 
maybe uh, Leah's eyes lack the sparkle and the brightness and the vitality that would have made uh, attractive to a man, uh, a male suitor. You know, I was watching this uh, program on TV and it's, uh, it was like a con man. A con man, he was at the bank and he told the bank teller, oh, I know you probably hear this all the time, but you have such beautiful eyes. And this was not the case with poor Leah. Her eyes were not, uh, didn't have that sparkle and that, uh, that gleam in her eyes that, uh, made, that would make, make her, you know, more attractive to a guy of the opposite sex. I can tell you of one guy that uh, had a sparkle in his eye and was really attractive. And I'm not getting weird, guys, but it was Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck had this sparkle in his eyes and you could see it across the room. It was just so bright and so sparkling. And it was filled with the lo love and joy of Jesus Christ. And I, th I, th I think that, oh, what a, what a handsome guy that is, but really it's the sparkling of the eye that was so attractive and the big, warm smile, you know, uh, he had on his face. And uh, I always thought that as he looked out at us at the pastor's conference, uh, he was looking at all of his sons, like we were his sons. You know, all these pastors from all over the world and all over the place and some with some weird ones too, you know, some, some real winners and some real good guys and, you know, and, and uh, he, he would look so fondly over us. Like, you know, we, I, I really felt that he thinks that we're his sons. And we're going to take the, the gospel. Should the Lord tarry, we're going to take the gospel uh, into the next millennium, whatever it might be. But again, uh, uh, Leah's eyes lacked that spark when the brightness and the vitality that would have made her more attractive to that male suitor. Rachel, on the other hand, is described as beautiful of form and face. Uh, he, here you have one beautiful and one versus weak eyes. How do you name your kids like that, yeah? Here's weak eyes, here's beautiful. Hey, not, not too good, yeah? But uh, that's what it was. Uh, Jacob, we find attracted to Rachel, seven years of service seemed like a small thing for him to do. You know, and, and, and this is where you tell people that, hey, this is where love, love really waits. Because so many of our couples today, they're not willing to wait. They fall madly into bed with one another right away. You know, and it's just a, a thing of the attraction of the flesh, and it's a natural thing that man made us that way. Yet, uh, we see this example, seven years separated, seven years of service, seemed like such a small thing because of his love for uh, Rachel. And you know, love waits, and love doesn't take. Uh, love doesn't take because, you know, I, I need to be satisfied, or I, I need this, or I need this uh, emotional thing, or this physical satisf satisfaction. But love waits, and uh, uh, I, I think that it waits, uh, it, it should wait on the Lord, and especially for Christians, for non-believers, we know that there's no waiting, and we know that even for many Christians, uh, at times, uh, uh, they're not waiting, you know, as they go in, and uh, I think God is, uh, God will really bless them, the couple, because you can only give that gift once, the gift of yourself to one another, one time. So if you wait and you do it uh, in the eyes of the Lord, you do it uh, right. 
uh, God will really bless that. And, you know, we cannot shortcut God's plans and purposes. I might be talking to you guys uh, for future plans and purposes. Who knows, you know, uh, who's going to get married? Who knows that, you know, uh, you might meet that right one, that right spouse. But again, it's not the thing of giving into your passion, but again, giving into the passion of Christ and His love and His uh, holiness. Holiness is the word set apart for Him rather than set apart for the pleasures of the flesh. It's Again, it's like uh, that one brother who sold his birthright full of bowl, uh, for a bowl of bean soup. Not too great. And uh, as for the harlot, the proverb says that uh, for by the harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread. You know, wow, you just turn to mush because you, you, uh, you're chasing that skirt. You're chasing that girl, that pretty woman. Or you're chasing that guy. You're reduced to a loaf of bread. Uh, we got much more to go, but we'll just stop here uh, and uh, let's pray. Father God, we do want to thank you, Lord God, for this evening, Lord. And we thank you for the, the examples we have in your word, Lord. And we thank you that uh, you placed that step in our feet, Lord, and you placed that, that joy and that energy of your spirit, Lord, that we might continue in our walk, in our relationship with you, Lord. And we are so grateful that you came and you personally reached out to us, Lord. Uh, and, uh, wherever we were at, Lord, you came in love, you came and uh, offering forgiveness and life and that abundantly, Lord God. And I want to just pray for those who might be out there watching. They've never given their heart, their life to you, Lord. Uh, maybe they just want to pray this prayer. To just say, dear Lord, forgive me. Please wash me and cleanse me. Please fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.